0: By the grace of God I want to do uh, a Bible study plus a little preaching. <laughs> uh Charlie quit. <laughs> but uh Charlie quit. <laughs> okay, tonight I wanna to, uh go into the life of uh Balaam and many of you remember Balaam the prophet. Uh, I call him a mad prophet. I was talking to Mark, uh, Mike this morning, and we were discussing about a few prophets that we would consider crazy prophets. <laughs> but they were prophets of God. But uh, I want to go into the story of Balaam tonight. Father, I just ask that you help us uh, to glean from your word and be blessed by what you have recorded for us to live our lives by. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the story of Balaam can be found in uh, Numbers ch- chapter 22. That's the beginning of uh, this story. And it was at the end of the wilderness journey. They had come to the end and they were about to go into the promised land. Uh, Moses was about to be taken and Moses was talking to them and they were getting ready to, to enter into the promised land. Uh, but then they had to deal with this issue here. Uh, in verse 22, please if you can go to that for me, uh, chapter 22, Numbers 22, beginning from verse 1. We got it? It says, then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of Jordan across from Jericho. So you can tell they're very close to Jericho. They're about to get into the promised land. Now Bilak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because there were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippo, was king of the Moabites at that time. And he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pebble, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are set, settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once. Curse these people for me, for they are too many for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed that's an amazing thing to put on a man God is the only one that can curse and the curse will remain and if he blesses you're blessed but this man had attained that reputation uh, because he walked with God if he curses a person that person is cursed if he blesses you you're blessed it was widely known now you have to realize this Uh, Moab was very very far away from uh, where Balaam the prophet lived. Balaam lived in the land of Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia where Abraham was called to go into the promised land. So he lived really far but because of the kind of person he was his fame had gone all over the place but there was a weakness developing in his life And the enemy was going to take advantage of it. We'll talk about that. I want to let you know this. Uh, You know, the king of Moab, uh, Abimelech, was extremely afraid, was very concerned. But he really had no reason to be concerned about the children of Israel. They were not going to fight him. You know that? They were not going to fight him from the word of God. He had no reason to be afraid and I have a feeling that he knew as we go into some scriptures you begin to find out that he knew that possibly they were not going to fight but he was determined to put a curse on them. Something was not right. They were afraid all right but I have a feeling they knew somehow, either they didn't trust it that uh, the children of Israel were not going to attack them or the world didn't get to them, but I have a feeling that they knew. If you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 2, Deuteronomy chapter 2, I want to read uh, from verse 1, chapter 2. Now, I'm throwing you all over the place, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. He says, Then, are we there? Yeah. He says, Then we turned uh, and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me, and we scattered Mount Sarah for many days. And the Lord spoke to me saying, You have carried this mountain long enough. Turn northward. Now, there's a lot of message that can come from there. You're going around this one mountain over and over and over again. God says, Turn up! (laughs) You've been in this one place long enough. I want you to move upward. Amen? But it says, verse 4, and commanded the people, saying, You are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. Notice, they will be afraid, no doubt about it. The descendants of Esau will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Don't take advantage of the fact that the descendants of Esau will be afraid of you. Watch yourself carefully. Do not meddle with them. I don't want you to get into any kind of fight with the descendants of Esau. For I will not give you any of your land. No, no, not so much as one footstep. Because I have given Mount Sir. Esau as a possession you shall buy food from them with money don't take food by force you buy food from them as you're going through the land I want you to buy food from them with money pay for the food even though they are scared of you pay for the food don't take advantage of them that you may eat and you shall also buy water from them with money that you may drink now this is kind of interesting you know God is such a good God many of us we don't know what happened to Esau and his children Esau was the brother of Jacob remember now? and Jacob deceived him and then he went his way he had an opportunity he could have killed Jacob but he didn't kill Jacob now he also had a family he had his own descendants and because he was connected to Abraham God actually preserved them and gave them the land God gave them a land. When you are connected with God in any form, especially as a child, He never forgets you. He never forgets you. It's not based on what you have done. He's based on your connection to the covenant. God gave them a land just as he gave to the children of Israel and he was telling his people I don't want you to touch these people don't with them you won't, it won't work for you I gave that land to them just as I'm going to give you your land I gave that land to them you know how they got that land they fought for that land just as Israel fought for their own land it's amazing look at this uh, That's how God gave the land to them. Mount Seir. It says, The Israelites formerly dwelt in Seir, but the descendants of Esau dispossessed them and destroyed them from before them and dwelt in their land and dwelt in their place. Just as Israel did to the land of their possession, which the Lord gave them. God did exactly the same thing for the children of Esau. That's why I said Noah had no reason to be afraid of the children of Israel. They were just afraid. Either jealous or whatever it was, they had no reason. When I come into that, if you look at verse 9 of that same chapter, go back a little bit, verse 9, says, then the Lord said to me, do not harass Moab. Clear, cool, right? Don't harass uh, Moab, nor contend with them in battle, for I will not give you any of your land. Is it clear? The king of Moab was concerned that we're going to fight. God said, I don't want you to fight with them. Notice God told Moses and they went through the life of Manseer, right? And the people provided water they paid for the water, they paid for the food. I'm sure Moses put the water, we're coming through, we're not going to fight with you. Okay? We're not going to fight with you, we're just coming through. And the, the children of Esau, they allowed them to come through, they gave them water, These were a very powerful group of people, they took protection from them. So Noah really had no... No reason to be afraid. Because God had already told Moses, You're not fighting with them. Amen? Yeah. The Lord said, don't, do, don't fight with them, nor contend with them in battle. For I will not give you any of your land as a possession. I am not going to give you the land of Moab. Why? Because I have given... Uh, to the descendants of Lot as a possession. That was the land, descend- the land was given to, the- Moab was given to the descendants of Lot. Lot, that's Abraham's nephew. Just because he was connected, God will not forget. And it's an amazing thing. God actually gave Moab that land. And if you read and read the whole chapter they had to deal with giants in the land as well they were the same kind of giants in the land but God fought for them and threw the people out and gave them that land and told his own people you're not going to fight with them I'm not going to give you one foot of that land I gave it to them the land that God has given to you no one is able to take from you in Jesus name Psalm 16, verse 5 is very clear. You, O Lord, are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines are falling to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. When you are serving God with all of your heart. Now notice these people were not even serving him. We are forgotten. The children of Esau were not serving the God of Israel. You see, but when God, when you have a covenant with God, He keeps His covenant. These were just people that had some ties to the covenant, and God was taking care of them. How much more those who are part of His covenant? How much more you? who is a part of the covenant, and what we see in the Old Testament is a shadow of good things to come. God made sure they had their own place. And wouldn't allow even his own people to take anything from them. And if they took, he wanted them to pay for it. That's why I said the thing of Moab had no reason to be afraid. Now, I want to go further to verse 17 of uh, chapter 2, verse 17, it says, The Lord spoke to me, saying, This day you are to cross over uh, the boundary of uh, Moab, and when you come near the people of Ammon, do not harass them or meddle with them. For I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession. Because I have given it to the descendants of Lot as a possession. That was also regarded as a land of giants. Verse 20. Giants formerly dwelt there. But the Ammonites, that's the children of Lot, called them Zamzumim, whatever that is, <laughs> they were giants. And the people are great and numerous and tall as the Anakims. Those are the giants, uh, Goliath of God. Uh, but the Lord destroyed them. The Lord destroyed them for the children of Lot. Destroyed them before them and they dispossessed them and dwelt in that place. That's how God gave them the land and God hmm. says, you can't touch that. So the children of Moab had really no reason to be afraid. This was just something that they conjured up in your head and uh, wanted to bring a curse on the children of Israel. Someone said this, it says, it is common for those who design mischief to pretend that mischief is designed against them. They were the one wanting trouble. Israel wasn't wanting to fight. But they pretended that they were going to destroy them. They were going to do something about it. Now we go on to the life of uh, Balaam. We talked a little bit about Balaam being a prophet of God. Now... Balaam had this reputation that he could curse or bless. But did you know Balaam was not a Jew? Balaam was not a Jew. Balaam was not a descendant of Abraham. Balaam lived somewhere else where God was walking with him as a prophet. So the first lesson, I'm going to give four lessons that we will learn from the life of Balaam. And the first lesson is that God is no respecter of persons. Balaam was a great prophet, even though he wasn't part of the Jewish nation. He was still a prophet accepted with God. And we have others also that were great people of God that were not Jews. Job. Job wasn't a Jew, but he was a great man of God and God had respect for Job. You remember the centurion. God is a respecter of no one. But if you look into the story of Balaam, you begin to find some problems here. Balaam sent some honorable men to go talk to him about cursing the children of Israel. And I believe as knowledgeable as Balaam was, Balaam knew that God was doing something. He must have heard about what God did in Egypt. It was all over the place. Everyone talked about the Red Sea and what God did. It's common knowledge in their time. The people in Jericho were afraid, remember Rahab? Rahab was rehearsing what happened 40 years back. She knew about this and it was common knowledge. So I believe Balaam knew that God was with these people. And now he has received people or people came to him asking him to curse the people. That was the beginning of his troubles. <laughs> Numbers 22 verse 8 through 12 it says and he said to them the people came to him talked to him about cursing the people cursing the children of Israel and he said to them Lord here tonight and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me that was a terrible mistake he knew better than that he should have said no no that's not this is not going to work he was a prophet of God, but he allowed the people to stay with him that night. So he said, the Bible says, so the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and said, who are these men with you? Wouldn't you like that? For God to come to you if you have some visitors, God just appears in your home and says, hey, who are these guys in your home? <laughs> this man had him swear with God, and notice, Balaam knew God was going to show up. He says, "There, right? Just he tomorrow, I'll give you word." Uh, it's amazing, but he wasn't a Jew. And yet, God had respect for this man to the point where God will come to him. And I can, you can read behind the lines, there's something going on here. God came, not just to talk to him, but there was something displeasing here. He says, Who these guys that you've kept in your home? And Balaam went... Balaam, the son of Zippor, that's verse 10... Uh, King of Moab has sent them to me saying, Look, a people have come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. God told him not to do that. What I'm trying to bring out here is, God works with whoever, anyone whose heart is right with him. That's what uh, Peter told us in Acts chapter 10. He says, I perceive, he was speaking to Cornelius. That's another one God appeared to. He sent an angel to to speak to him. And Peter says, now I know, I perceive, that in every nation whoever fears God and works righteousness is accepted with God if you decide tonight I'm going to fear God and I live my life for God I'm mean, gonna I make a commitment to God totally no matter what's going on around me I'm going to be devoted to my God I'm not going to the left or to the right. I'm going to stay focused no matter what's happening. If your heart is right with God, He will always show Himself and He'll use you. God will show Himself to you. He doesn't need your talent. We'll talk about that in sun, on Sunday. If He has a work for you, your heart is right. He provides the talent. He gets you to do the job for Him. It doesn't matter if you are part of the nation or not. The nation of Israel or not. If your heart is right with God, He will appear and He will deal with you. He'll do business with you. And if you read the story of, of, of Balaam, you'll see how loving God is. Even though He was not of the Jewish race. The Jewish race was already in existence at this point, you know? And God was still dealing with somebody who was not part of that kingdom. Because his heart was white. And even so, as you read through the story, you see God being so compassionate and trying to help this man get out of his trouble. And get out of this temptation that had come to him. Don't invite trouble into your home. He should have sent the people away as soon as they told him why they came. But he allowed them to stay. He, he welcomed them and asked them to stay. God spoke to him. It's another lesson. God spoke to him. He said, I don't want you to go with them. And. I don't want you to curse the people. They are cursed. I mean, they are blessed. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the people are blessed. Oh, hey, credit. The people are blessed. I don't want you to curse the people. They are blessed. Now, remember what God told Abraham in in Genesis chapter twelve, verse three. He says, "Whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you." our curse, I mean this, even in Balaam, his curse will do nothing on the children of Israel, the curse will return back to him. God was just trying to help Balaam. His cursings will do nothing to the children of Israel but God told him very clearly don't, do, don't go with them I don't want you to, want you to go with them these people are black you can't curse them so don't go it wasn't for the children of Israel it was for Balaam to protect Balaam but look at what Balaam did I call this the slippery slope to death Verse 13, he says, So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of, ba- of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. Was that what God told him? God said, I don't want you to go with them. Don't curse the people. They are blessed. He should have told them, God wasn't giving permission. He said, God refused. I would have loved to go with you, but God said no. But that's not what God said. This is not going to be fruitful. Don't go. I don't want you to go with them. You can't call the people. They are blessed. But he sounded as if God refused to give him permission to go. That was the deal, that wasn't the deal of God and I believe he understood that. But he wanted to be politically correct right? (laughs) So he told them God will not give me permission to go. In other words I would have gone if God had given me permission. He didn't let them know God had said you are not going to curse these people they are blessed. If he was firm, That would have ended the troubles for him. He wasn't. He wasn't firm. He left the door open a little bit. Look at what the people did. And the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. So the message didn't go across well. So the women said, he refused to come. So the king was thinking, well maybe we didn't give him enough money. Maybe we were not persuasive enough. We got to do better than do- Maybe we didn't send more, more people to him. We got to do something better. In other words, we got to hide in the temptation. So he got, he left the door open. Because of what was going on in his heart. He really wanted to go. You see, he acted like he was really following his God. I am the prophet. I am not going to go with you. Because I am obeying God. He, does, he has not given me permission to go. He lied. He really wanted to go. But he acted like he was still being very honorable and following God. But his heart was already there and God already knew it. We have to protect our heart. It is a slippery slope to death. He allowed it. And Belak did something about it. If you don't shut the door tight on temptation, it will return with greater force. If you don't stop it there, it's going to come in a bigger way. And you may not be able to handle it the second time. (laughs) There's a lot to this. Just one single event can destroy your life. And your destiny, one single event can destroy your destiny and destroy your life. Just one little thing that you overlook because of what is inside, it can destroy you. Numbers 22, I'll be in Numbers 22, verse 15 through 17. It says, this is exactly what happened. He didn't shut the door to temptation. He entertained them. He allowed them to come into his house. He should have turned them away after they delivered the message from Bilal. To him, he didn't. He let them stay. He was going to talk to God about something he already knew as a prophet. Now this was the prophet that said, God is not a man that he should lie. You know that? He was the one that made that statement. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the sons of man that he should repent or go back on his word. Has he said and shall he not do it? Has he spoken and shall he not make it good? The same man said that. Back to how he died. Some of the lessons to learn. He didn't shut the door to temptation. He opened up a little bit, and this is what Balak did. Verse, verse 15 of chapter 22, He says, Then Balak again sent princes more numerous, okay? More numerous and more honorable than those. The first group, he said, No. Maybe the first time you didn't feel dignified because of the screaming guys we sent to you. We're going to send you real honorable people so you feel like you are like a, a big shot. A place. We're dealing like we're dealing with a leader in another country. So I'm going to send you all these great guys, honorable people, numerous. And more honorable than they. And they came to Bolak and said to him, come says, Bolak the son of Zippor, I'm telling you, well, from Bolak the son of Zippor, please let nothing hinder you from coming to me. Don't let your conscience hinder you from coming to me. Don't let your conscience stop you from going this way, whatever your heart wants to go or do. Don't let your don't even let God let nothing hinder you come I want you to come let nothing hinder you from coming to me for I will certainly honor you greatly that was music to Balaam's ears I will certainly without a doubt I will honor you greatly and I will do whatever you say I have I don't say it for you. Just fear And what you say. If you don't shut the door tight, you're going to have a greater temptation to deal with, and your destiny may be destroyed. He didn't shut it now. He had a greater one. He says, therefore, please come. Cause these people for me. Let not, uh, nothing hinder you. Let nothing stop you. Don't let your wife convince you. <laughs> don't let the preacher convince you. Don't let God, don't even let conscience just come. We are going to honor you. You know, the draw to fame, he was already known. To be honored. To have covetousness. All of these things can really cause a man a problem. Lesson two. The weakness you refuse to deal with may cause cause your demise. The weakness you refuse to deal with Weakness in a man's life left alone will cause a man to fail in his God given assignment. Mm-hmm. Saul, King Saul, failed because of weakness in his life. Didn't make it. He allowed jealousy. To destroy him totally. He allowed pride. And the fear of man. To be loved by people. To be honored by people. Even when you know what you're doing is wrong. When you allow those sentiments and those things to influence your life. Instead of standing for God. You destroy your God given assignment. So did he said, I, I was afraid of the people. Why was he afraid he was the king? But he wanted to be on their good side. He wanted them to speak good of him. He could care less. I, I'll ask you to read Psalm 50. A little bit of Psalm 50. It's so important. When you put God's word, God's word aside, he doesn't like it. And he doesn't want you to take his covenant in your mouth. Read Psalm 50, 50. The weakness you refuse to deal with will eventually result in your demise. And that's what happened with with Balaam. He would not deal with this problem in his life, but he pretended as if he was doing right still with God. But his heart was not in it. It says here in Numbers verse 18, Then Balak answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I will not go beyond the word of the Lord my God. Notice what he called God. My God to do less or more. He seemed as if his heart was there. He was going to honor God. God knows not to trust our words. (laughs) He knows what's going on inside the heart. He was speaking as if he was an honorable person. God had already told him, don't go with these people. Now he sounded like he was on the side of God and he was going to be the, that great prophet of God and follow God's way. That's the way sound sounded. But he should have dismissed them at that point. He didn't. Verse 19, he says, Now therefore, please, you also stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. Well, he should know. God doesn't change his mind god had already told them but for greed and the honor, he sounded like he didn't care about what they were saying he didn't care about the silver or gold he said even if he gives me his house full of silver and gold i will not listen to that i will only do what god says to do yet he kept them in his own and god knew his heart Verse 20, again, God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men, notice his language, God's language, If the men come to you, to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Notice, he seemed here that God changed his mind and said, you can, you can go. But if you read, God was really angry at this point. He was not happy with this. And basically, he's saying, if this is what you want to do, go ahead. We we never find ourselves in that kind of place, where you are so bent on doing something, just to get, oh no, whatever it is and somewhere in your heart God is speaking to you and say, slow down, don't go, don't do this but you are so bent on it you're not going to quit eventually he'll let you go he'll let you do whatever you want to do but he's not happy with it he's not happy with it I see God's great love on this man he had warned him don't go don't do this But he would not listen, he was willing to go, and God gave him permission, now you can go. And you can see his heart was in it. He rose very early in the morning. And he was already running to do this thing. And God wasn't happy. Lesson number three. Events totally removed from you can... Become the event that shapes or destroys your destiny. I will explain to you what I mean by this. Bohan lived, I don't know how many years as a prophet, right? And no trouble. It was okay if Balak had not sent these individuals to him Balaam would have died possibly as a prophet right he was minding his own business he was doing his own thing as a prophet he was well known in the place and then this event came to him he didn't beg for it he didn't ask for it which Balaam just thought about him and sent these individuals to him and destroyed his destiny An event he had nothing to do with Came into his life He didn't handle it well He destroyed him The same thing I believe God is saying There are things that are happening Events Things that the devil is planning You have nothing to do with them You're not asking for them You're minding your own business Living your own Christian life The way you want to live And then one thing will take place. You didn't ask for it. And that one event, whether you recognize it or not, could shape or destroy your destiny. You can never tell which one it is. You understand what I'm saying? It could be as simple as being fired from a job. The way you handle it. You understand what I'm saying? You never know what it's gonna be. You're minding your own business, doing your own thing, and then all of a sudden, something happens to your comes into your life. It may seem like you know, harmless, nothing to it. But the decision you make based on what you know about God, if you make the wrong decision, you may never recover. And Dylan never recovered. He didn't. This one event destroyed his life. This one event destroyed his life. He was a great man of God. When it was all over, he wasn't. And even in Revelation, Jesus was talking about him. Not in good light. When Jesus said, Watch and pray. You know? Watch and pray. Christians, we are so busy these days, we hardly have time. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. You must watch. You must pray. Because on every life, it will rain. Amen? Maybe that's the wrong place to say amen. (laughs) The storm will come. You don't know. You have to get yourself in tune with God. I believe that Balaam was not, at that point, in tune with God. There was something in him. Imagine, what? made Bala to think about Balaam. Balaam lived so far away. you understand what I'm saying? But when you are bringing something into your life that is not accepted by God, the enemy will find it yeah. and develop a strategy to destroy your life and to destroy your destiny. May that never happen to any of us tonight in Jesus' name. Never. That God will give us grace to recognize when the enemy is coming at us. No matter what the event is. Christians don't pray anymore. The words of Jesus, watch and pray, is gone. If they can't pray, let me let you know this. Christians pray more than they read their Bibles. You know why? They get in trouble from time to time. And they have to cry out to God when they're in trouble. Right? So they pray. But they hardly see the book. And they read the book more than they witness to people. Watch and pray. Jesus said because you don't know the time or the hour. You don't know when the enemy is coming against your life with something that could destroy you. An event totally removed from you can make you or break you. Can shape your destiny or destroy your destiny. Joseph, remember him? He was in prison, he couldn't have made Pharaoh to dream those dreams, right? He couldn't. Those dreams came from God. It was an event in Pharaoh's life, separate from Joseph in the prison. But that one event shaped his destiny, amen? Yes. Because his heart was right. Do you understand? His heart was in the right place when your heart is not in the right place Satan will cook an event to destroy your destiny when your heart is in the right place God will come up with an event to get you to your destiny so events totally removed from you can destroy and that's exactly what happened to uh, Abelam this event took him out Today we speak good words about Job, right? Job was another prophet, I believe he was a prophet of God, that wasn't a Jew. We don't have the book of Bilaam. And if you have a book like that, I don't want to read. We don't have a book like that. Amen. He was a mad prophet. The Bible said he went out and God was mad at him for going immediately and God was going to kill him. And uh, sometimes Satan can make a man so focused on doing gain or getting something done for their benefit They forget everything. This guy was making conversation with his ass. (laughs) That sounded wrong. (laughs) With his donkey. (laughs) He was talking back to his donkey. That's a crazy man, okay? He was so intent on getting to get this honor that he couldn't receive from the God that he knew. He wanted an honor from a man. And he couldn't discern something wrong was going on. He was talking to his donkey. And the donkey was giving him, you know the story, everyone knows the story, right? His donkey was giving him reasons why he shouldn't have they hurting him, or hurting her, the donkey, by beating her. She says, am I not your donkey? He says, yes, you are. He was talking to the donkey I'm carrying conversation. He says, I would have killed you if I had a sword in my hand. And didn't even know he was talking to his donkey. He was so upset that the donkey was preventing him from getting his honor until the angel showed up. May that never be our lot in Jesus' name. Please stand up with me. I can go to the fourth one to nine. We put the fourth one on the screen. You got that? Lesson four. It's not how you start, but how you end. <laughs> it's not how you start; it's the way you end. You can start well. But be careful. Make sure that you end well. Please stand up with me tonight. I hope this bless you. Thank you, Jesus. What we want for our lives is this. That because our hearts so right before our God... Right now, God, even in your difficult circumstance, God is working something behind the scene. An event is going to take place totally removed from you. You have nothing to do with it. God is already working with it. But because your heart is in the right place, God will use this that event to take you to the very top, just like He did with Joseph. Amen? That's what God will do. Totally removed from you. God, you have the right heart. God will bring you to the top. The same thing happened with David. All of our events, he was anointed. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you. Thank you for the revelation of Jesus Christ and the word of God. Help us to do what is right. And to guard our hearts with all diligence, Lord God, so that we always do what is right before you. Thank you, Father, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.